Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. We're live. We're live again. This is the second time. Uh, this is the Dream Mason podcast. I am Alex Terranova. If you can't read, it's on the bottom of the screen. If you can't read, you should probably learn how to read because um, reading is really important. Um, if you are watching this, you are on Facebook. If you're listening to this, you're listening uh, likely on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. I'm excited and I have a lot of energy in this because, first of all, there's a couple things. One is we're going live for the second time. About a week ago, I went live for the first time doing a podcast, which creates a lot of unknowns. We don't know if the Internet's going to go. We don't know. Me, sometimes me and the guests don't know each other. We just like have no idea what's going to happen. And I love the idea of like, hey, we just got to roll with it. We don't have the... TV studio with all the producers and all the edits and everything, buddy, making sure everything's perfect. We just have to like experiment and flow. And I think like this is actually a lot more like real life. You get me, you get the guest and you get it all as we actually are not like a curated perfect version. I think as humans, we don't like perfect. I think we think we do like we all want it, but we actually like real. We like to see what people really are. We like to make ourselves sad looking at the perfect on social media and everything. But I think like in reality, we don't actually like it. It just feeds that like, woe is me kind of culture that we have that we're not good enough. So I hope you enjoy this, the live. Um, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to introduce you. You can see if you're watching, you can see our guest. She is chilling. It's almost like you get a backstage shot because I don't like to keep the guests backstage. You can do this on these lives, but it's like kind of weird. Like, so she's here with us. I'm going to tell you a little about her in a minute. Uh, before I do, I want to share with you, if you're watching or you ever see any of the stuff I do, I'm in a totally new location. One of the things I love about the life I've created is I can do it anywhere. So I have like podcast equipment that I can move, but I've created it so that no matter where I am, I can write, I can coach clients, I can podcast. And I think in the world we live in, this is possible for most of us in our businesses. And COVID showed a lot of us that we don't need to be in an office or that we don't need to be in a place. So you can actually create a life that you want but it requires something. There's some consequences. There's some inconveniences. The internet might not be as good. The backgrounds might not be as right. I had to upgrade a camera this week because of the situation, which costs money. But if you're willing to, to adjust, change and do things like you can create whatever you want. Also, I'm in a scenario where you can't see outside, but it's beautiful. And you can actually create, I love the idea of creating vacation anywhere. People that follow, if you follow me online, you see that I'm always talking about like, how do you live every day of your life? Like it's a vacation. Well, it's by creating environments and mindsets that are like you're on vacation because on vacation, I don't just stay in bed all day. I still do stuff. So here it's like, I cultivate this environment and this scenario that feels like I'm on vacation, but I still do stuff I enjoy. 
And I'm, and, and I think it just makes my life more exciting, more enjoyable, more fun than the, like, I have to, and the obligation of all the things I have to do. Now, let me tell you a little bit about our guest. You see her on the screen, Nicole McDonald. She has 20 years of marketing and development and product development experience. She's been an entrepreneur for 13 years. She built a multi-million dollar, she's built a multi-million dollar business from scratch. She actually, at some points, and we're going to get into this because I'm really curious, at some points as a single mom had to like live in her car. And, and when we say from scratch, like we're saying from like, I had nothing and I had to build the whole thing. She has over a hundred thousand people that follow her and interact with her on social media that she has a relationship with. She, because she wanted to, not because she needed to, she became an ontological coach. She doesn't, it's, it's about her being a better leader, being a better human, a better parent, um, being able to run a company better. She also has political aspirations, which being a coach will completely help with, with your talking, with your speaking, with your working with people. She's the head of a startup called Lash Live. She's also the CEO of Sash Bags. And if all that isn't enough, she's also a single mom raising two kids. I think I've met, I think I've met both of them and they're both great and incredible. And she has a great relationship with them. And she's doing all this stuff. Nicole, thanks for being here. Thank you. <laughs> it's a big buildup, right? I'm like, I want you to just follow me everywhere I go. And <laughs> like in Game of Thrones, like you walk in the room and I'm like, I walk in and, and introduce you before. Maybe a little trumpet. Yeah. I'm not very musical, but I can try. I can learn. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to hear Thank you. I want to say thanks too for like, we did this spontaneously. I've, we, you and I have talked about having you on the podcast for a, like a long time. And, um, I had somebody who was supposed to record today who had to cancel last minute because of some health conditions and I love podcasting. So I could just be like, Oh, whatever. But I went, no, who are people that I like? know? like I reached out to you and, a, and three other people specifically like, Hey, can you jump on last minute? They had the other people were like, you were like basically an unconditional. Yes. You were like, Hey, I need to move the time around, but you were like, yeah, I'll make it work. I, and I want it. It was the first thing I thought of is like, I think of myself as an unconditional. Yes. If an opportunity shows up, how can I make it work? Cause it probably was supposed to happen for me. What's your like relationship with things that just pop up like opportunities? Um, I think I just don't overthink it. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I wouldn't call myself an unconditional yes, because I don't necessarily say yes to everything, but it's just a quick, it's like a nanosecond gut check and I'm either yes or no, and I don't overthink it. I love that. Me too. When you shop or buy, like make big purchases like homes or cars or do, are you also like that? Or do you like, I need to sleep on it. I need to think about it. I, I make decisions very quickly. Because I'm totally I'm, I, I feel like I make so many decisions throughout the day. So some of them are like little teeny tiny decisions. Like, what am I going to wear? What am I going to have for breakfast? And some of them are big decisions. Yeah. And I feel like I approach them all the same way. Now, if it's like a really, really big decision, like I'm going to move somewhere and, you know, I'm looking for a house, then I will spend the time uh, ahead of time, like getting really, really clear what I want. So that as soon as I find it, it's like that part, that process is quick. <sighs> Do you ever have the, like, I need to think about it. I need to sit on it. Like there's any ever like feeling like you need to do it differently than you normally do it. I don't, I don't think I experienced that. Um, 
I mean, I definitely, there's times where I'll look back on things and be like, oh, I wish I would have made a different decision or I could have done something differently. But honestly, I don't think so. When you, when you, when you have those moments of, I think I, I could have done it different. Do you use that? Do you like try to incorporate that into something? Like, I know if I feel like I made a bad decision or wrong, I don't really believe that there's bad or wrong decisions. I think that they're like learning experiences, but I'll look at like, Hey, wow, this negative thing happened, but what positive thing came out of it? And then it makes it easier to like, I can't make a wrong decision. Do you have any like thing like that, that you think about? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I all, you know, if, if something doesn't turn out the way I wanted to, or I thought it was going to, um, I always try to learn from it and apply it, you know, to my decision-making in the future, but I still just like keep, keep firing. Yeah. How does that help as a, you have so many things, right? We just talked about all these things. How does that help you as like leading a company, being able to be like rapid fire, um, I'm sure people were constantly bringing things to you. What's the, what's the like benefit and the consequence? (laughs) I love that question. Uh, The benefit is that, you know, I really think one of my favorite books is called ready fire aim. And it, it, that, and that's really what it's about. It's about like just going for things and then, um, you know, seeing how they work out. And then you just kind of keep adjusting that as you go along, but you don't take all this time to like, think about it and plan things out. You're just like, go, 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 go. Okay. That didn't work. So next time that thing comes up, you go, but you go a little to the right or whatever. Um, I think the consequence of it is that I don't uh, create a lot of space for autonomy for other people who work in my company because I want to move things quickly. I want to make decisions quickly. Not everybody works that way. And so if I have a project that I'm letting someone else you know, manage or control. And I want them to make decisions the way I make decisions because I'm over here doing other. So I move really quickly. And so that is the challenge for me is really allowing uh, other people to have their own process without me taking over <laughs> and moving forward. <laughs> so how do you do that? Right? Like, that's a great, I, I love when I was in the restaurant business, I was like that too. It's like, Hey, we need to like, nothing's stopping. We need to keep going, but other people, right. Their process is different. And as a leader, you and I like have worked with and led enough people that we realize like we can't use our process and dominate other people. It doesn't work. So how do you practice allowing people to have their process without it <laughs> like messing with you? Right. Cause you might have to let somebody go a little slower and do it their way and learn. Yeah, it's a work in progress for me. Um, I would say the last, well, so I've had my company for nine years. The first three years was basically just like me by myself with, you know, not by myself completely, but like I was the only person doing it the whole time. And I had some investors and like people that were kind of helping out here and there, but it was basically me running the show. And then I spent about three years with a large, not large staff, I guess it depends on what you think large is, but anyway, a staff of people, um, and all kinds of different roles helping me run the company. And that was a, that was a challenging experience for me to, to go from doing everything myself and doing it at my own pace, the way I want to do it to having a staff. And it was there, there were some bridges burned and relationships ruined in that process because I had a really hard time with that process, with letting other people get what they needed and 
you know, have the work work the way that they need to work. You know, I just wanted everything to be my way. I wanted it to be quick. I didn't want anyone to bug me. I want them to also figure it out. You know, like I'm going to give you this thing and I want you to figure it out. You know, I just had these like really unrealistic (laughs) expectations in hindsight. Um, So, you know, that is all part of why I got into the, you know, the coach training program because I, I could see that like this wasn't working and I needed to shift my expectations and, you know, who I was being about all of that. Cause I obviously knew that I couldn't just put the blame on everyone else. Um, so that was a challenging period. And I would say, you know, and then the last few years has been different. It's been a lot, uh, a lot more partnership with the people that I'm working with. Um, and I've had to put things in place like a calendar system that if you, you know, need something from me, like I need to know what kind of thing it is you need. Is it something that's going to, you know, be emotional? Is it just logistical? Like, what is it? I have to prepare myself for like those conversations. So I make sure that we're all, you know, uh, having the same expectations. So I've put some structures in place just to make that process a little smoother, but it still is difficult for me. It's still difficult for me to slow down and like let a process happen without me just like railroading it. You're, you're speaking to this, this, this idea of like what got somebody somewhere doesn't necessarily get them to the next level, right? Like what Absolutely, 100%. your ability to just go and fire and make decisions and not worrying about if you get it perfect, got you a company, built you a company where other people maybe wouldn't have done that. And then you got to this point where wait, right, you hit a, like a glass ceiling and you can't, the, that, those actions and behaviors don't lend themselves to the next level. And I know yeah, you see good. this now. You, you yeah, see this Sorry. No, <laughs> right. no, no, please share. Go ahead. What got me here isn't going to get me there. Yeah. It's like that. Well, yeah. And I think we see this like all the time. Well, if you're aware, if you create some awareness, I, I see Like I see this in my life. I see it with almost all of my clients, right? They're like, they built this incredible thing, but now they're struggling and maybe they're struggling like in a different area of their life, but they're trying to apply the thing that like built their business to their marriage, or they're trying to think that built the thing that built their, like made their marriage work to their kids or the thing that built their business to their health, or even like, Hey, I got my business to like $4 million and now I want to get it to 10. But like that they can't get past the four unless they put down those things that made them successful. And now they have to like learn new skills to get them up to that next level. Absolutely. It's so hard. (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask you, cause you have this, I I had brought it up to you before we hit record. Cause one of the first times that I, I don't know if I had met you yet, but like my, we have my cousin and you are really good friends. And she had told me about you and she, for, I think a long time before we met, she was like, you, you have to meet her. Like you will love her. She's like up to things that you would be excited about. But one of the first things she told me, she was like, this woman like went from homeless, like living in her car as a single mom to building a multi-million dollar business. And you know, you hear stories like that, right? Like we read books that people write about, but I don't know that I've ever actually like met someone that like, that's their journey. And that's, and maybe I have, and I didn't know what, I mean, I don't, I don't even know like fully what to ask you on this, but I guess the thing that I'm most curious is like, when you were at that, that sounds like a pretty rock bottom kind of place, right? From, from, I'm sure there's shame and a lot of feelings about where you were and who you were supposed to be, especially as a mother. Like, 
how did you get yourself from that place? Like, what did you have to do to get yourself out of that place so you could like actually rise up? Yeah. So I'll first, I'll tell you a little bit about that place, sure. <laughs> what it signifies in my life. And just, just for clarity, um, I actually, I found myself in a situation where I had nowhere to live and I actually had no car, like living in my car would have been an option, except that what happened was I had another business before this and it was not a success. And this was in 2010. So it was, you know, just after the recession and I had a hard time finding a job and there was all these like personal circumstances. And, um, I found myself nowhere to live, no car and no, no money. So like literally scraping together coins to go buy a box of macaroni and cheese to feed my son who was five at the time. And I had recently found out I was pregnant, which is a whole other story. Um, so that was the scenario I was in. And this is why I always say like everyone, I, I feel like everyone at some point in their life is a helpful family member away from homelessness. And, you know, and this is why I'm so passionate about helping homeless people because I can see how very easily, like if I wasn't someone who had a lot of support structures, like I would have literally been living on the street. But fortunately, I did have a lot of support. So I was able to couch surf. Um, I spent a little bit of time sleeping literally on the floor with a friend of mine who had, you know, some floor space. And then I moved on to a friend who had a couch that I could sleep on. And I was taking Noah with me. And we were we were sleeping on the floor at a friend's house. And I wasn't like viewing myself that way. I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I'm home. I, I'm homeless. I wasn't like using that word because it felt different. But um, he and I were getting ready to go to bed and he looked at me and said, I think we just lost Alex, but I'm sure he'll come back. Oh, there we go. Um, he looked at me and said, mommy, are we homeless? And I was like, oh my God, that wow. I, technically we are, you know, I was like, man, how, that how is, old was he? How old was Noah? He was five. Like even the fact that he knew, like, right, the consciousness at five years old. Yeah, because I'm like dragging him around. People are giving yeah. us rides. I mean, and the and the the that was the beginning of the rock bottom moment where I was like, okay, I've got to make a huge change in my life. The other thing was that I had gone full circle because this is how I grew up. I grew up in poverty. I grew up with, you know, parents who had two kids before they graduated high school. Um, you know, we, we sometimes didn't have anywhere to live. We were at my grandma's house. We were over here and there. We're always being schlepped around. And, um, you know, sometimes we were hungry, didn't have you know, nice clothes, like none of that stuff. Right. And so the reason why I even started my first business is because I was like, I'm going to create a new life for myself. And I created that business from avoiding or not wanting to turn out like my parents, not that my parents aren't lovely people, but you know what I mean? Like the circumstance of my parents and it, crashed and burned and took me down with it. And I realized that was when I realized like, man, all this whole thing that I've been trying to avoid, like I got myself in the exact same situation. And so I knew that I needed to change a lot of things to have my life go differently. So that was part of it. That was just like that, that smack in the face moment where you're like, Oh wow. You have all the realizations. And the other thing honestly was my friends, I just have the most amazing supportive group of friends 
that refused to let me go down. <laughs> so, I mean, one of my friends uh, gave me a computer that, I mean, it was one that she didn't need anymore and she was getting a new one. She probably didn't really need a new one, right? She's just like, oh, I guess I'll get a new one now and gave hers to me, you know? So I had that support of people that are like, nope, but this is not how this is going to go and really lifted me up when I could barely lift myself. So it was, I had the awareness, but I needed yeah. that support. I remember when I, when I was thinking about leaving my job in the restaurant business and my first coach, one of the first things she said to me is like, what are you afraid of? And I was, and I, I didn't know the answer. And she was like, well, let's look at like the, the kind of worst case scenarios of life. Right. She was like, if you lost everything, would you be homeless? Would you have nowhere to live and be like unsafe or not be able to have food? And I went immediately, no. And she was like, why not? And I was like, well, because I have family that is like loving and supportive and caring and I haven't burned those bridges. I have friends that are, that would like totally, right? Like I didn't think necessarily that it would go there, but there was that fear. And I remember at the time realizing, man, I'm so lucky. Cause there are obviously people that don't have family. There are people that don't have friends, but then there are people who have also burned those Right. Because of who they were being, they've created situations where they've isolated themselves from people that may or may not have been supportive. I don't know if we. Oh, there you are. Um, and I remember being like really grateful in that moment of like, wow, I can take a chance because of this. I can take a little more risk than somebody else can have. And I got to give myself some credit of like, hey, I've also created those relationships, right? They didn't happen magically. You created those friendships and those people that would support you. They didn't just appear, you know, because you had Facebook or whatever. Um, uh, so the thing that I didn't, that I'm still curious on is the aspect of when we're at like a low, I, you know, that low of like your son saying to you, mommy, are we homeless? As a coach, you, you know, and like we talk about like the narratives that people have, right. The stories and the shame and the things in their head. How did you like, like what was the moat, the motivation or the conversation that you had to have with yourself that like, Hey, I can do another business. I'm not gonna, right. I can take another chance. I can try this again. I can get myself out of this and not stay in that like kind of shame spiral or that down place that I think a lot of people, when they're at the bottom, they have, they have a hard time like getting up out of. Um, yeah, I definitely did not go from rock bottom to believing I could start another business. In fact, I was like, I'm never starting another business ever for the rest <laughs> of my life. I'm going to go get a job and get a paycheck and, you know, have some stability and predictability. So that's what I looked for, but it was a horrible job market, but I, I ended up finding, um, some contract work because I have, I had a great career before that, you know, I've got a lot of different skills. I can do marketing. I can do graphic design. I can do product development, so many things. So I ended up getting a contract working for a, a public relations company doing communications and, and design stuff for them. And that I was like, this is my new life. I am doing this now forever and ever and ever. Cause I just wanted to be bored and to be stable, you know? So that was the next step for me was, was getting from that to like creating something that was actually new and outside of my comfort zone, which was just having a regular job. And then once I did that for a while, um, I started to, I mean, it just gave me what I needed to feel like a human again, you know, to feel confident and, 
you know, it's like, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, totally. It, it was that, you know, it's like I had to get those basic needs met first. And then it was like, okay, now I can look at, now I can add some things on. Right. So it took a while. It took a few years before I was willing to start another company. In fact, when I came up with the idea for Sashbag, uh, I initially did not, it just was an idea that popped in my head. And I got together with a friend the next day and had her help me make one because I'm not a great seamstress. <laughs> and I wore it out that night. I went out with some girlfriends and we went out dancing and I had, I had the sash bag on just the one that, you know, we made in Vanessa's dining room and it had Velcro, you know, it didn't have zippers. It was like kind of funky and weird. And I had three people stop me and ask me about it. They were like, Hey, what is that? What is that bag? Where'd you get it? And I was like, Oh no, I think I'm going to start another company. <laughs> And so I knew that I had to do it in a completely different way where, you know, I was, I was building it for a different reason in a different way. Whereas I was able to look back at my first business and see that that business was like me trying to prove to myself in the world that like, I don't even know what I was trying to prove, but I was trying to prove something. And like I said, I was trying to avoid something and I was trying to prove something. And, um, I was just saying this on a AC call the other day that, I realized that I have a very dangerous combination of skills because I can do graphic design. I can do marketing communications. I'm very persuasive. So I can make something look really good and make it look successful, make it look legit. Um, and in the background, like nobody's actually like buying what I'm selling. You know, that was my lesson from the first company. And so I wanted to build this one completely the other way around where it was like all about, you know, the customer first and whether or not people were willing to part with their money <laughs> And tweaking it as I went along to make sure that I was actually creating something that was meaningful and that people were going to buy. You, there's, you said some like, you said a lot in there, but like one of the things that I kind of grabbed onto was that you had this idea and you didn't actually have the skills, but you didn't need to, right? Like somebody else, you're not a good, you have a purse company or a bag company, a fashion company. If we get like, if we expand it. And you're not a seamstress, like you don't know, that's not your thing, but you had an idea. And there's, I was just reading an article about a woman who just started a tech company and she knows nothing about tech, but she had an idea for, uh, you know, a concept. And then she went and got people to build the tech. And I think, at least I know for me, sometimes I'll have an idea and I'm like, yeah, but I don't know anything about that subject. And that's fine. We don't have to do all of our ideas, right? But how often do we stop because we're not an expert in that area versus like, wait, if this is an idea and I'm excited about it or passionate about it, I can like, I the idea was my skill. Maybe the leadership is my skill and maybe I need someone else to do the technical. The, the other thing you said, which I really, really like is we often think we have to make these huge leaps. Like, right, if we're at our rock bottom, you don't go from rock bottom to CEO, Fortune 500 company in like a week or a day or probably even a year. You have to go from like rock bottom to like one step up, <laughs> right? Which is just like, hey, I have food and shelter. And maybe you're not happy, right? Like maybe you don't have happiness or like, but it's like, hey, I have that. And then I have, oh, I have some transportation or I have a little, a little bit of savings or something. But, and then it's like, maybe, hey, how do I just get like, how do I be grateful or how do I get some hope? And that I think we often get trapped when we're in the, 
a bad spot, whether it's like emotionally or, or literally in the, we think we have to make this huge leap to the next level. And, and same thing, even if we're in a good spot, like if we have a hundred thousand dollar business and our goal is a million dollar business, this leap that we have to jump to a million, it's like, you could just jump to 200,000 or 150,000 and then take the next leap. And, and with every, with every one, you're actually growing and you're building confidence and you're probably getting happier. Uh, I, I love that, that it's like, Hey, I didn't have to go from rock bottom to the top. I could just kind of put another foot in front of the other. Yeah. So to put into perspective, that was in 2010. Mm-hmm. So that was 11 years ago. And now you're a, like a billionaire, basically. Right? basically. <laughs> um, let's, I want to, I want to um, touch on how do you, do you have any strategies for um, kind of turning on or off your like most powerful entrepreneurial self? Like I've hung out with you like at a bonfire where you're just like a mom, you're just like a friend, but then you go into these places where you're like boss, you're CEO. I know you're working on some things I won't mention, like some, 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 I, some other things you're working on. I don't know if you want to share them, but there's other areas of your life where you're not just like mom and good buddy you're powerful and not to say that you're not powerful as mom and friend, but right. Like it's a different hat you kind of have to put on in certain areas. Is it just a natural transition or is there anything that you're like, Ooh, I'm going into this new, this, this environment where I need to be this badass CEO. So I need to like flip a switch. Uh, that is, it, it really depends. So I do have to consciously, shift myself from CEO mode to other modes. (laughs) And sometimes I'm successful at it. And honestly, sometimes I'm not. And I, and there are certain environments and people that I will hang out with where that transition is really natural. And it's really people who either know me very, very well, um, or who are, do similar types of work, but there, there's people who I feel like sometimes I not, I don't feel like I actually do apologize to them. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not very good company because I feel like I'm a robot right now and I'm being a weirdo and I'm sorry. You know, sometimes (laughs) that transition doesn't happen successfully. But yeah, I typically um, will, you know, it's just, it's just a mind shift. It's like just putting things down and getting into a different mode. But yeah, I do, I do have to do that. Do you have to do it with your kids? Like, like turn off coach, turn off leader, turn off CEO and like turn on mom. Yeah, I do. So I have to do it in small ways and big ways. So for instance, you know, I work from home a lot right now. Um, and if, and this is the experience that not just my kids have, but anybody who's worked for me or with me will tell you this experience, which is they will walk up to me and they will talk for about a minute and then I'll go, <laughs> and then I'll realize someone is there and go, what? And so I've had to train everyone in my life to say my name first and wait for me to say yes. And then say the thing that they want to say, <laughs> you know, cause otherwise I just am like, I get so focused and in his own that nothing, like I literally cannot hear stuff. It's weird. Um, so I do. So those are like kind of the small ways where I, I, I do have to make sure the kids don't just come in and like start talking or ask me something because I'm not going to hear it. 
And then in the bigger ways of like, you know, um, this is where I really try to create partnership with the kids where, you know, this has been, um, a, I don't know what word I'm looking for. The only word that's coming up for me is struggle, but that's not actually the word I mean, but, um, it's been kind of a dance throughout the years to create this partnership because, you know, I'm never going to be the room mom at school. I'm not the one that like is going to go along with the, the, uh, field trip that they're having, but I'm providing my kids with really interesting experiences. Like I take them to the factory with me. They get, my, my daughter was at a photo shoot with me last week and, um, it was a photo shoot for a major magazine and she got to, you know, assist the photographer and she was bringing me water and she was doing stuff like most kids don't get that experience. So it's yeah. a trade-off where they know, you know, they're that they know what I'm up to in the world. Um, and they're supportive of it and they're involved in it. So then, so then in, on the other hand, when I'm like, Hey, sweetie, like, I've got 45 minutes left of work and then you can come and ask me that question. It's just like, okay. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, I mean, I hear boundaries, um, but also that like, Hey, there's, there's a different, it, right. If you have a mom, that's like the room of the room mom or the PTA mom or whatever it is, there's value in that. Right. My mom was, my mom was a marriage and family therapist, but when I was in school, she was like very involved. And my dad was an entrepreneur. And when it came to school, he wasn't involved at all. But when it came to sports, he was like coached every team. So both of my parents, like I got to experience them wearing like these different hats. But I also got to see like my dad, like being like one of the hardest entrepreneurial workers I'd ever seen. And I think like we get to see, right. Your kids get to see different things. They get to see mom, you know, with your friends, like out on the Bay with all these like very successful, powerful women. Like I know you have these relationships and then they get to see mom at the photo shoot. Um, I mean, the last time I saw you, we were eating Oreos. We were eating doing like an Oreo taste testing competition. So they also get to see mom as like fun and playful and like couldn't be that couldn't have been like more unserious and un kind of unimportant. Um, so I love like that. Yeah, they get to see all these different hats, but they also have to understand like, hey, there's stuff that comes with each one in a way. Um, I do think that Oreo tasting was serious and important, though. Um. I mean, as a vegan, I think that yeah. Oreos are quite important because I can eat them, you know, so that makes them really relevant. But yeah, I mean, I think on like, you know, I don't know if we can get Oreos to figure out our political and socioeconomic problems, then I'm with you. <laughs> but and maybe we can if we find the best Oreo, right? We can just give them to everyone and they'll make they'll make them happy. <laughs> Let's wait. This is perfect because now we transitioned right in. You have political aspirations. Um Tell me about why you have political aspirations, because most people, when someone talks about this, it's like, you must be insane. Um, and, and like, so why, and like, why you, like, what's, what would, you know, why are you a person that we would like want to have these aspirations? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It reminds me of why I became an entrepreneur. And part of it is because I, well, I was working for a company and I was, doing product development and graphic design and marketing. So I basically was, my job was to generate ideas and then get those ideas onto a shelf. So everything along the way, you know, it's like developing the product, working with the printers and the manufacturing and all that and the buyers and designing the retail packaging, getting it on a shelf. 
So I knew how to do all that stuff. And then I just started looking at like, what is this doing for the world? What is it doing for myself? And what is it doing for the world? And I just didn't like where those ideas that were generating, like who was being impacted? Like I'm doing all this. So the CEO of this company can buy himself another boat. Like, eh, I don't think so. So that's why I wanted to become an entrepreneur. Cause it was like, I know that I can create things and I want to be more in control of the impact of that and, and how I'm impacted by it in my own life. So it's a similar answer or train of thought to what got me interested in politics. Um, because I am, I love politics. I'm very involved in the sense that, you know, I volunteer for a lot of campaigns and a lot of politicians. I, you know, support with whatever I can. Um, I'm very interested in, you know, just the mechanism of our government and how it impacts people. And I see things that I'm like, I think that I could have an impact that would make these certain things uh, go differently in a way that, of course, we all have different ideas of what's better, right? But in ways that I think are better. And I think one of the reasons why I am a good person for people to like, you know, get behind and be excited about that aspiration is because I do have such a range of life experiences to where I can relate to almost everyone who I encounter, you know, like from people that are, you know, have grown up on welfare. Like I relate to you, people who are running multimillion dollar companies. I relate to you. You know, I've, I've kind of ran the gamut and been through everything. And I've used those experiences to look at um, how, you know, how we can create impact in the world in a positive way. And, you know, one of the things that this is what I used to always say when I would go on job interviews, when it's like, what's, what's your biggest strength? And I would say, I'm like left brain and right brain. So I've got that really creative, divergent thinking that's very natural, but I also very, uh, you know, I'm smart, I'm logistical, I can, and analytical, I can kind of map things out. And I'm that way also across the political spectrum, like there's, there's things on the left and things on the right that I can kind of see in a way that would have, I just really believe that my platform, my ideas are going to be universally popular. Maybe everyone thinks that when they go into politics. I don't. <laughs> but, okay. So I, but I, think I have a unique perspective. So, yeah, that's great. I love that. I actually really identify with that. I feel like now I don't have the, the range of experience that you have like life experience, but I do find myself being like, man, I agree with so many of these things like on the traditional right. And I agree with so many of these things on the traditional left. Why can't there be like a both and of com combining and creating something new. And then I often go, our si the system itself is so broken. Can we even as like, can someone like you or me go into politics and survive because the, the way the system op works right now is it's so money fueled, right? That like, if you don't have massive amounts of money, it's basically, it's, it's almost impossible. It's not impossible, but it's almost that people, often people go in, right. And they're like, their intentions are to help people. I don't think, I don't think your average person goes into politics. Like I'm going to get rich or I'm going to like, you know, like fool people and just take advantage of this. I think most people that go in when they originally start their process are like, I want something to be different, whether it's about what they care about, the difference they want to make. And then the system, this is just my opinion, like grabs people and makes them 
like conform to the system, right? Like they have to start taking donations, which means they have to start essentially like selling out. Uh, what do you, I mean, what are your thoughts? Like, do you, do you agree? Do you disagree? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how does somebody like you stay true to who you are in a system that doesn't really like, I don't know, support that almost in a way. I don't have a better word than that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out how to answer these questions without like giving away my juicy, juicy secrets of what I'm planning on. Um, <laughs> are you I feel like you're, this is like a, we're going to take over the world. This is like, I can't, I can't tell well, you guys how I'm going to do this because okay, then you'll well, be ready for I, it. I have created like a really thoughtful, I guess platform is what I could call it. And it's not ready yet, but I will tell you a couple of the foundations of it are um, partnership. So to me, this is, this looks like um, legislators, community leaders, innovators, all working together. I think it's that simple. It's partnership. Because I think when the, when you feel your contribution to the community working, um, you're willing to get behind whatever's going to like keep that moving, you know, and, and making improvements in the community and that that partnership will right will help leaders rise up that don't rely on special interests. That's the simplest way I can state it. Sure. So you think, but you think it's possible to essentially operate inside of the system from a different, from like a new way. I do. That's good. That's like yeah. hopeful. I mean, I think I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's impossible. I don't see it right now, which is one of the things that's like held me back. Cause I'm like you in the sense of, I'm like, Ever since I was a little kid, I, I like had this affinity for JFK and I felt like, man, I, one day I'm going to run for office. And right now I can't see it being any different. Right. I can just see myself being like a rebel in it and that not actually serving like who I really am and what I'm about. Um, but it's nice to see and hear that, hey, like I actually have a model and a system that I want to do that's different. And I believe that there's hope there because I, don't, I do think nothing can change if we if there isn't that positive, hopeful you know, whether it works or not, we'll have no idea until so you try, right? Like, just like anything else. Yeah, but um, I, I think that this is where the left brain, right brain thing that I was talking about comes sure. in. Maybe it's not specifically that, but it's just, you get it. Um, is that I do see the possibility. I do have that creative, like, ooh, I can see how if we were to create this type of partnership or relationship with communities and their leaders, like, that's possible. And then I also was able to like put pen to paper and actually come up with some ideas of how that would happen. And that's what has me like, for me, I have to have that kind of evidence or thought process, the bullet points that this, then this, then this to back up the possibility. It's just the way I am. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, I think like you get your process, you get your system, you know, yourself, you've done it in a business that's had it work. And I, 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 I love, I mean, I, I'm super passionate about, Hey, we got to try things to find out if they work or not. We just don't know. Right. We think whether we talk about like iPhones or like how billionaires are going to the moon or not to the moon to outer space right now, 
whether you agree or disagree with any things that exist on this earth, if anything's going to be different than it's always been, it's simply because somebody tried something and you try something and it doesn't work. And then you, you kind of pick yourself up and try it again. And I would argue that people that are successful, whether it be in marriage or parenting or business are people that recognized, Hey, I tried this thing with my kids or my wife or my husband or my job and it didn't work. Well, let's not keep trying it. Let's try something different with the hope or aspiration that we can get the result we want. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to turn the dial on this to go to something a little bit different. Um, I know you're single. I know you're dating. Um, and I know you like me have great, I've, I've kind of heard some of your great dating stories. Uh, I have wonderful ones also. Um, and I don't necessarily want to go, in, go into the, the juiciness. And I mean, you can share if you want. But what I'm curious about is in the dating world, like you're a single mom, you're very successful, you're very like focused and and um, there's a lot of like badass, powerful components, whether it be the political or the entrepreneurship. And as I said to you before we started, like you don't need a man, like it's, a, this is a true, like, Hey, I'm self-sufficient. I've done, I'm raising kids on my own. I'm building businesses on my own, but I have it that you want partnership. You want a relationship, right? You're not doing it out of, which is to me to kind of preamble a little bit more. Like, I think the number one reason relationships don't work out is because we think we need this other person to make us whole. So we're trying to fill a gap instead of going, no, we are in, we are actually whole. And we're, we're like adding and sometimes I say, it's like, no, you're, you're a, a burger. You're, you're a burger with cheese and bacon. You don't need avocado, but like you could have it. It's nice. It's a benefit. But if it's like not there, it's fine. Um, how does it like, what have you encountered dating as a single mom who's very successful? That's different than maybe what you dated before, before you had the success or maybe before you had kids or when you were not successful, but had kids like what, how is the, how, how has this changed? I would say the biggest thing that's changed. So the question that you asked me a little while back about, is there a process or something I have to do to shift or transition from like powerful boss lady to like just hanging out with my friends? Um, that's one of the most challenging things I've experienced is not showing up on dates and intimidating the crap out of people. I actually have had several guys use that word and tell me that I'm intimidating them. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, you know, so I took that feedback to my coach <laughs> multiple times where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I started like, you know, having this whole process before I'd go on a date where, uh, you know, like I learned not to go on a date right after I finish a work day, you know, there's gotta be like some space in between, or it's gotta be on the weekend when I've had some time to just be like chill, fun version of myself and not like intense, um, you feel like you're in a job interview when you're on a date with me. Wait, um, uh, wait hold on. I want to pot because I'm so curious about this. I get that a lot too, that like you're really intimidating or somebody will literally said to me recently, you're too much. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm too much. Like I'm looking for someone else who's too, who's too much also. Um, but like you're almost like trying to turn tone down the intimidation. Whereas like, does that not just say that those guys aren't actually ready for someone as powerful as you versus like, Hey, what about a man who shows up? Who's like, dude, this intimidation thing that you got going on is like hot. I like want some of that. Yeah. So I, it, I've had that experience 
more recently. And I think it's because I, gosh, uh, something that I realized recently is I'm not great at sharing things about myself. My focus is always on the other person and learning everything I can learn about them. And so if I'm on a date with somebody who's not also that way, it's going to all, everything's going to go one direction. And so I, I took on a practice of sharing more about myself and that shifted it a lot to where I, I actually got the opportunity to get to know people um, and have them not just view me as, because I don't think it's just the intimidation. I think it's also, there's a little feeling of interrogation. <laughs> And so when I, when I'm softer and I'm sharing more about myself and it allows someone to see like the dynamics of my personality and not just this one part of it. And then that's where the success and the power and all that is attractive versus scary. So, you know, I never, you know, there's a school of thought that's like, don't change who you are and show up how you are and you're going to find the right person. But then there's also like, yes, show up who you are, but also like practice, something right that's going to help you connect with people so I feel like I've kind of through a lot a lot of trial and error (laughs) I I feel like I've I've gotten into a a place where I feel you know just comfortable and normal going on a date and not having to hold anything back but just um you know really connecting from a different place and and that has helped the experiences uh, be a little bit better does it matter when you're dating, you know, do, do you care about things like, you know, how successful the man is like how, you know, or is that not matter as much because you're like, I got this. Um, or does it matter more? I was actually just reading that women who are more successful actually like up level their desire for their men to be not because they need it, but because it like is kind of like it fuels them. For me, it's not about how much money someone makes or what success they have or don't have. My focus is more on generosity. Like I, I, thought, want- gonna, I thought you were going to say looks. Sorry, I was. Yeah, <laughs> 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 but um, generosity. So it, it's like, how do you spend your money? How do you view money in a relationship and a partnership? So I want someone who is generous in that way, not just with money, but with time, communication, attention. That's like one of my number one top values is generosity. And I don't care what someone does for a living, how much money they make. I literally, I don't care at all. As long as they are happy, that's another thing. Um, you know, if, if their career is not getting in the way of the relationship and, they're making amount of money that they're happy with and they're generous with the money. Um, you know, like I said, like I don't need them to spend their money on me. I just want that. I'm a very generous person. I'm incredibly generous. I'm going to want to do things for that person. And so it has to be mutual because if I'm just like doing, doing, giving, 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 and it's not coming back, then it's, it, that's where I start feeling um, very depleted and uh, resentful. I love that. Yeah, I think 
That was a great like explanation. I'm gonna and I wanna where we've been, I can't believe it's like 50 minutes already that we've been doing this. The time is like flying by. And there's like two more things I want to touch on and I want us to to also wrap up. Um I wanna I'm curious about things beyond the human realm with you. Like what's your relationship to like the woo-woo, the spirit, like faith? Like where is it that you're like leaving things out of your control? Where like, hey, I can do and do and do, but there's there's a force, whatever you believe in, beyond just my human actions. Mm -hmm. Do you have, do you like, are you a manifester? Do you have practices? Are you like a crystal person? Like what's your relationship to, to spirit and how does it play a part in your, in your success, overall success in your life? This is a newer conversation with me. Um, it was just over the last few years that I've started meditating. And when I say meditating, started meditating, I mean like twice a year. (laughs) <laughs> but before that it was zero, um, or maybe like, you know, a handful of times a year. And I always get so much from it. And I, and that what I get from it takes me kind of a long way before I, you know, feel like I need to reconnect. But, um, I definitely believe in the spirit realm. I don't necessarily have, um, a connection to any organization around it, like any religion or specific, figure or anything like that but I 100% believe that there is more to us and to all of this than what we can see and touch and experience um and I, I you know I've had some I've had some powerful experiences and meditations that I've you know I get so much from and, impl- and apply it to my life so I, I enjoy it and I and I, I want to spend more time exploring that I don't prioritize it enough but I would like to I love and I noticed as we're talking there's a Buddha sitting behind you on a show (laughs) um okay last kind of last question or 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 is what do you have for people that are out there that want something that they currently don't have Right. Whether it's a relationship, kids, business, but like they're, they're in a space of, I know what I want and like, I don't have it. What do you have for them? Yeah, I have a a course that I created and the first two uh, lessons in the course, number one is to create a vision board. And I know this is like simple, but it works. So create a vision board to really flush out what that thing is that you want and not just what is the thing, but what does that create? What does the thing create? What are the other things around it, underneath it, beside it, you know? Um, so, so if it's like, I want a business or I want a husband or I want a house, like what does that house look like? What does the furniture look like inside of it? What is the feeling you have and finding the imagery that matches all that stuff and create a vision board. So you're really, really super connected to it. So that process of creating it is really powerful, but also putting it somewhere that you can see it and constantly get connected to it is another thing. And then the second thing I have people do is to create their daily, um, you know, to-do list based on that vision board. So as you're looking at what steps are you going to take today? What things are you going to do today? Asking yourself, is this a thing that's going to get me that? If it's not a thing that's going to get you that, then why are you doing it? And maybe it's like, I'm not talking about like doing dishes and I got to pick up the, 
you know, pet from the whatever. It's like, you know, yeah. yeah, Well, it's so simple. I mean, we obviously a lot of people do vision boards and a lot of people don't, but the concept of I have to have a clear vision of where I'm going for me to get there seems like the most simple thing that so many of us neglect, right? If we don't know how to drive somewhere, what do we do? We go on like Google Maps or Apple Maps and we put in the address and then it shows us essentially a vision board of the route to get. And then, but then we still have to take an action, right? We got to get in the car. We got to get on a bus. We got to get on a subway. We got to walk, ride our bike, whatever, but we have to take an action. And along that journey, I'm often thinking like, Hey, sometimes you run into like road closure. And then it's like, well, if I still have the vision of where I want to get to, then now I get to take a new action around that circumstance. Right. Yeah. Or something happens. And, and this is an ongoing. But if I have that end destination in mind, which you're presenting as a vision board, then you can keep going and taking new actions regardless of what shows up in the process. Yep. Where's this course that pe- that you just described? Is it is this somewhere people can get or buy or see or it's live salescourse.com. So the intention of the course is to set people up to sell Uh, on live video to sell a a product or service on live video, but it takes you through everything you need to know from, I don't, I I have nothing going on right now (laughs) to making money on live video. (laughs) Um, And and that's the foundational piece of it. The very beginning, even if you already have a business, like it, it could work if you already have a business that you've built or you are just starting out, the process is the same because it's like getting reconnected to you know, what is the thing you're trying to create and how come? And then again, asking yourself those questions every chance along the way, like, is this getting me there? Yes or no. I love that. I love that. Like, yeah, if you have nothing going on, go to live salescourse.com and you can start it. Uh, where else can people like find you? Are you big on social media? Are your companies big on social media? Like people yeah. want to like follow you, stalk you, date you. Like what do they, what do they do? Uh, here's my phone number. I'm just kidding. Um, so my, I'm on social media, Nicole McDonald. Uh, my name is right here on the thing. Although I accidentally capitalized the I, so that is an I, not an L Nicole McDonald. Um, Nicole McDonald.com is where you can learn about my coaching and there's my <laughs> five year old in the background. Um, that's where you can learn about like my coaching and consulting and things that I do. I also run a mastermind that's there. And then, um, yeah, live salescourse.com. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. I'm on all the things. Just look me up. My name is called weird enough that I pop up when you Google me. And your companies, uh, where do they, if they want to know more about the bags, sash, is it what's sash's, uh, website? It's the sashbag.com. Nice. And the other lash is it lashlive.com is the other company. It's, it's actually just lash L A S H, which is live action shopping. L A S H dot L I B E lash dot live. Nice. Nicole, first of all, thanks for, um, thanks for jumping in like last minute, like literally co-creating with this with me last night saying yes, figuring it out with me, like in the process, changing the times, you know, getting me everything I needed to make this happen, sharing it with your community. Um, Thanks for letting us go all over the map from like your personal, like kind of like love life and dating to the vulnerabilities of, you know, like having that realization of like, are we homeless and that rock bottom moment and sharing it. Um, But also like, I'm really appreciative of the, like 
it's not this story that like we can't relate to. It wasn't like, oh, I was homeless and now I have like a million dollar company. It's like, no, I was homeless. And then I took like a step and got like one level up and one level up. And and now I'm here now and here are the challenges. Uh, I just appreciate your vulnerability and your humbleness, but also your, your badassery at the same time. Um, yeah. So thank you. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate the opportunity and um, you're awesome. Thanks. Everyone listening, watching, listening, if you're if you're seeing this live, if you are listening to this on the recording as a podcast, who do you know that needs to hear Nicole's story, uh, whether it's about politics or parenting or dating or coaching or bags or living a dream or getting themselves, you know, out of, you know, a bad situation? Um, who do you know that you can just share this with? Like one person, you could make a difference in someone's life. I often think like we never know how like the story we hear, the story we see or the thing we read, the impact it can have. And we don't know unless we like share it and give it to somebody. So please share this with someone. And thanks for uh, watching the second live Dream Mason podcast or listening to another episode of the Dream Mason podcast. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream, and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.